Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Wishers Breaker is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, you guys know this. And because Game Time tracks the prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals up to, up to 60 well, prices up to 60% off. Listen, if you want to see Matt Zuccarello return to the Madison Square Garden where he used to play for the New York Rangers next Monday, November 25th, check out Game Time. Why not? The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play Store or on the App Store and score last-minute tickets with up to 60% off. Okay, hell of a show today. Vince is on. One of the more prominent New York Rangers beat writers, some Lucas Anderson talk, and some other things. Um, here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. I'm loving Disney+, Plus, but I feel overwhelmed all the time about all the new options I have to watch stuff. That's it's like too much. It's very similar like with The Athletic. There's just so much to read and with so much value for such a little dollar. Which, which you could start right now. At <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry about that. I guess we'll just get that out of the way. Um, yeah, I have I don't ha- I have Disney Plus. I have got it through Verizon. I guess. Oh, wow, a lot of ads on this show so far. Sorry guys. Woo. I know. Sheesh. Woo. Not getting paid enough, and uh, I haven't used it at all because I don't watch TV. You haven't ever. used Disney Plus at all. I don't watch TV really. Other one other than the Rangers, I don't watch anything. That's you a big Star Wars guy? I'm like a lukewarm Star Wars guy. I'm sure you know of what's going on in the Mandalorian, right? How can you avoid it? I I. I know it exists, and people are excited. And I know that there's a uh, a small Yoda. That's the extent of my knowledge. Baby, baby, baby Yoda. Yes. Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is my lifeblood, and I want to protect Baby Yoda at all costs. This is the only podcast to get called down to Hartford. And um, welcome to the show where we talk all things New York Rangers every single week, obviously. Imagine we did a live podcast in Hartford just one week, just being like, ah, oh, we got demoted. Do you, uh, Here you go. I mean, I'll reach out to them. I'm sure they would say yes. <laughs> the city Hartford, you're gonna reach out to the city of Hartford. Yeah, I'll reach out to the Hartford, the city, and I'll be like, we want to do a live the show, the Hartford. <laughs> then we'll go from there. That's a company. I think that's a financial institution. Uh, today's show is we'll be talking about exactly what we said we wouldn't be talking about, which is Leah Anderson. And hold then, on, we said we would only talk about it if something changes. I know, and something the, changed significantly. The clause has been broken. We will also have Vince 
Int McCargliano of USA Today to come on. He's one of the better beat writers, other than, of course, Rick Carbonello of The Athletic. And then, uh, finally, we have another seven five-star questions section at the end of the show. So that's that's the rundown. Stick around. Here we go. Uh, this week in New York Rangers, the flu, huh? Get your flu shot, everyone. Not really. Uh, not... I do. First of all, yes, get your flu shot. Yes. That, it's simple. It, it's like there's this thing out there that can help you uh, not be sick like a dog all week. I always do wonder, though, in sports, if it's actually the flu and if it's not just, you know, something else. The thing is like, with that something else, Gregory, and I agree with you, that this sometimes uh-huh. it is that something else. Kako, right. Kako doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Just my, No, Kako, hand, I 100% believe it's the flu. Hand up. I believe he's just sick. The guy has celiac disease and diabetes. Like, I think, I think he's pretty careful what he puts into his body most of the time. So uh, I, I, I do agree with you that a lot of the team could, quote-unquote, have the flu, especially going into the Tampa Bay game because that was a shit show. Yeah. That game was – I don't even know if we need to spend a whole lot of time on that game. It was just a fucking mess almost you know, immediately. I, I, we can do it quick because the way I feel about it is it's kind of a yeah. throwaway game, not really judging Quinn. People out there that are like, well, it's, this is embarrassing. It was. It was absolutely embarrassing. No one really showed up. No one really came to play. We almost let up 10 goals. And at the same time, you had, I think it's important to remember that Tampa Bay, on it, not right now, but soon, will be an elite team. And was absolute, I think they lost, what, 13 games all last year? And they pretty much have the same core. And Shattenkirk is one of the better players in the league, by the way, for them. So uh, I, I think it's important to remember the elite talent you're playing against. And also... Uh, I guess analytically, how bad the Rangers are, despite their record. Well, I, th- I think if you want to, if you want to honestly break down what happened in that Tampa Bay game, the Cliff Notes version of it is every team at some point in the season is going to get shit housed. But I think how that team responds to the process of being shit housed, mm-hmm. you can learn some things from it. it so every t- look. The Toronto Maple Leafs put up an absolute stinker against the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, this weekend. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've been thinking about the Maple Leafs a lot. And what would, if you were, let's, let's switch places, right? We'll we'll just rename the the teams. The New York Rangers are now the Leafs. The Leafs are now the Rangers. If you, if if we were a a Leafs podcast, what would we be even Uh saying right now? I can't even imagine. We, we would be. We would have been calling for Babcock's head a long time ago. Um, I believe we'd still be – we'd start questioning the – like the reason why we'd be questioning or calling for Mike Babcock's firing is because I feel like we would be Team Dubis almost across the board. And we've talked about how at some point GMs need to take toys away from their coaches in order to get the results that they're looking for and how there needs to be – some sort of um, understanding between front office and the bench, and we'd we'd legitimately be losing our mind. We would not be big Cody CC guys. Uh, we'd probably be on this podcast crying weekly that they need to do something about their second goaltender. And I'm so happy you mentioned that, Ryan. Oh, because why is that great? I, I have I don't know if you saw today. Oh no, we have you? a new speaking into existence. Yeah. We have a new speaking into existence. Now, uh, for, new, I, for maybe new listeners, you have a great track record of doing this. You literally made Jacob Trouba happen yourself two years earlier. So No one else, just me. 
just you. No one else takes credit for it. Just you. And I appreciate that about you. So tell me your new, the vision or hashtag the vision. Well, I don't want to hashtag the vision because that, that, that is hockey. That stat literally is hockey. That, st- that comes to cooking the books. If you don't follow him, please um, the, the, the hashtag speak it into existence, which I think is fair. Ryan, it's Jeremy Brocco season. It really is. Now explain, it, uh, explain to the uneducated out there who Jeremy Brocco sure. is. Jeremy Brocco is a 22 year old winger stuck in the AHL with the Toronto Marlies. He's been last year. I think he had 79 points in 72 games for the Marlies. Um, he is, he's everything you would want a scoring winger to be. Uh, even if he doesn't necessarily have the highest of pedigrees, he was a second round pick in 2015. Brocco. The only reason why Brocco is still in the minor leagues is because he's with the Toronto Maple Leafs because as good as Brocco is, he's not William Nylander. He's not Mitch Marner. He's not Kasperi Kapanen. He's not Andreas Janssen. There are a lot of guys ahead of Brocco that are going to be ahead of Brocco for the foreseeable future because all those players are signed for term and for length. So he's he's a captain without a ship. And what do the New York Rangers lack more than anything else in their entire system, Ryan? Forward depth. They lack not just forward depth, but high upside wingers. Like if we're being completely honest about what the New York Rangers have long-term on the wing, you have Artemi Panarin, okay. you have Cabo Caco, you have Vitaly Kravtsov, and then what, what do you have after that? On the wing. You don't really have a, you don't have a lot of answers. No, right? you have a lot of good it's center the, prospects. A lot. You have, a, you have center prospects that might need to eventually move to the wing, but you don't have any like true and through wingers in your system that could provide like honestly after after those three is it brendan lemieux who's like the fourth highest upside winger the rangers have i'm not sure brendan lemieux is a ranger in two years so i don't know still he's like the youngest option they have they all the wingers the rangers have in hartford are quad a guys who have proven their worth in the ahl but don't have anything higher than a at best bottom six role on a struggling NHL team. Like Phil DiGiuseppe is not a guy that's going to be cracking anyone's top six anytime soon. The Rangers need more forwards. They need more wingers specifically, and they need wingers with successful track records, which is all Jeremy Bracco has. And the Rangers also have this useful chip that the Leafs desperately need, which is a proven dependable backup goaltender who is on a very friendly um, term right now. George F makes less than $800,000 a year. He's going to be a restricted free agent after the season. He's not going to get north of $3 million as a restricted free agent. He's everything that the Leafs could want. And, and honestly, he's everything that they need right now if they're going to turn their season around. Because every backup goalie the Leafs have ran out there has been crap. It's been terrible. Georgia, and they don't have- if, if that if that If you got Bronco and a pick, or do you think it's just straight up Bronco? So I talked to our good friend um, Arvin today because before I put this out into the world, Arvin, I wanted, a, a leaf, I, a leaf coverage person, pen, um, pension pen and puppets, pen, the PPP, the PPP leaves. Yes, um, he, he's been on the podcast multiple times, and he's a guy you and I know well enough where he'd just tell us if we're being stupid. Um, so I, I I slid into Arvin's DMs. I asked him straight up. I was like, "Am I being crazy to think that there's something the Rangers and Leafs can do?" where it's GRGF for Bracco. And we both came to the conclusion that in the deal, the Leafs would probably be like, 
well, you'd have to give us a little bit more with Georgiev if you want Bracco. And Ranger fans would be like, well, you have to give us a little more than Bracco if you want Georgiev. So when both sides of the trade are unhappy, probably means it's pretty fair, right? Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I, I think Georgiev has maybe more value. Again, exactly to your point, I'm a Ranger fan, so I think Georgiev has more value in that case. Well, what, what, what's, what's, like, what's the ideal Georgiev package that you would want? Would you want a second round pick and a B level prospect. I think that's what I, I would want. Yes. But I don't think, I think, I don't think that I ever think, happens. I think the difference. Well, I th- I, not only that, but I also think Brocco's better than a B level prospect. That's fair. I mean, my, my counterpoint to what you're asking for is Georgiev has proven himself at the NHL level where Brocco has not. And you're getting a proven NHL asset for a lottery ticket. Now that's the case always when you're trading for prospects, but if I want a lottery ticket, I want one that I think is going to pay off for sure. And if you're, sure, if but you're the confident Leafs, the in Leafs Bronco, would, then sure, go ahead. And and you have to remember how the Leafs would counter, right? The Leafs would say something along the lines of, the only reason Bracco isn't here is because we have an insane winger depth. And, sorry, and apologies for having insane winger depth. Like, this is the same Maple Leafs team that can't even get Nick Patan in the lineup, who is a proven bottom six forward in the NHL that most every team in the league should be trying to acquire. So it, the Leafs have a good counter there too. It's just, and I can't take credit for this, but um, people on Twitter pointed out today, if the idea, I, I know you don't feel this way, but if your idea was to keep both Georgiev and Shesterkin, I don't know how you do that because we're, I think Oh, it's I know how you do it. And it's than, not what you want to hear. <laughs> well, no, because you can't move Hank. Hank's not going anywhere. You the could, only reason Hank you could would do go somewhere evil is shit if he and wants buy to. him out. You easily could do that. That's evil. You're shit. not buying out Henry. Uh, I I know. I'm just saying that there's there's a universe that exists where you could do it. Is all I'm saying. That's but Henrik, you also have to remember that Henrik would then have to agree to the buyout. You can't just like magically be like, I'm pretty sure you always don't. You have to come to agreement on buyouts. I'm. Like, I, this is a hockey stat matter question. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to ask him. I'm assuming that you could just buy out someone against their will. Like, you're paying them the money. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know who didn't agree to a buyout? Probably Kevin Shattenkirk. I don't know. He might have. I don't think so. I can't imagine he Uh, would. But either either way, this is a nonsense conversation we're having about Henrik Lundqvist. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Never happening. So, and you know what else is never going to happen? The Rangers are never going to... The Rangers are never going to carry three goaltenders at one time. Never. That is also never going to happen. Never. So at some point, we're not at this point yet. I don't think we honestly get to the point where the Rangers need to make a decision about Shesterkin until the end of this season. But the conversation is coming, and it's coming quickly, given how well Igor is playing in Hartford and the fact that both Henrik and Georgiev are playing well in the NHL, all things considered. So, push is going to come to shove. Well, Henrik isn't going and anywhere, and, and Igor's the future, despite only being a year younger than Georgiev. Like, I love Georgiev. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a really nice, a really nice talent. But Benoit Laird has done this how many times? How many Countless times? times. So, Countless times. Listen, That's I, why we didn't extend Cam Talbot? It's the reason. Honestly, the big reason why it's going to be Shesterkin long term before Georgiev is because Georgiev's going to require the payday first. Yeah, and we're not and, not just not just talent for talent, skill for skill you'd probably give the edge across the board to Shesterkin, but it also helps when who, who is going to come collecting from the tax man first, Georgiev. 
He's a restricted free agent after this season. He's going to make more money than he's making right now. It'll probably be in the neighborhood of one and a half to two million dollars on a bridge deal, but that's still a million more than the Rangers are paying him right now. So push comes to shove, George is going to be the first to go. And it's it's one of those things where we can keep trying to trade Georgiev for future assets. At some point, I'm personally of the opinion the Rangers need to start turning trade pieces they're getting rid of now into guys that can also help now and in the long run. 22-year-old wingers who've proven to be point-per-game players in the AHL is exactly who are guys that the Rangers should be investing in. This is now a Jeremy Bracco podcast. I am speaking it into existence. Okay. Speaking of the AHL, let's talk about Leah Anderson. Let's do it. Now we tried so hard. We can try and keep it, it short. Six, we said what? Six weeks? We said Did no. We want to go th- it's even worse. We said December 2nd. December 2nd. How how great. Yep. It's uh didn't even get it. We didn't even get one week. Yeah, it was it was immediately. It was last podcast. And yep. Leah's gets sent down well deserved, I think. Maybe not well deserved. It just seems what the correct move is at this point in time because Leas wasn't playing. I, I know uh, Vince, who we're going to have on in a couple seconds, we haven't spoken to him yet, but he he wrote a little story this weekend about how David Quinn spent a lot of time talking to Leas Anderson, and then Leas Anderson played like three minutes. So uh, I and I know he made some mistakes on the ice. He hasn't particularly played out of his mind, but he's never gotten the opportunity to succeed either. So I'd rather him be down in Hartford have top-line playing minutes, similar to what Heedle did. But I don't know if you got a chance to read the Brooks article today either um, that pretty much said that anything is possible with Leas on the table right now. He could either move to wing, he doesn't have a spot left on the team, he has to earn his way back up, or he could be traded from the organization. So I think every everything's in play with Leas right now. I think everything's been mishandled quite egregiously. I think it's Almost a shame, considering how the team has played, that he hasn't gotten an option or a chance to play in a higher line, especially when Brett Howden is doing what he's doing now, uh, and I'm sure you'll get to that in a second, but I hope Elias turns it around in Hartford. I hope he regains his confidence, and I hope he plays 22 minutes, because the twenty, the first 22 minutes that Elias plays in Hartford will be more than the last four games combined for, that he played for the New York Rangers. So I, I, yeah. I'm curious to see what happens with him. Yeah, that that's kind of it, right? It's... Leas Anderson hasn't been playing well, but this is the same Leas Anderson that probably deserved more responsibility sooner in the season. We would think, I mean, let's, let's go all the way back, Ryan. Let's go all the way back to opening night when the Rangers decided to demote Philip and the Rangers made it clear that it doesn't matter what your pedigree is. If you're a young player, you're not too good for the AHL. And I think David Quinn's line was, if I can't send down 21-year-old, 20-year-old, 21-year-old hockey players to the American Hockey League, why even have it? And I and we would agree with him. And Heedle definitely benefited from it. He went down there, he tore it up, he's come back up, and he's played great. Would Philip Heedle have played this well with the Rangers without that stint in Hartford? We don't really know. He probably would have gotten there eventually, but it – Seems like a better transition for Heedle to know that he's coming from a situation where he dominated, had all the confidence in the world, and allowed his game to do what it does. And he's thrived since then. So let's go all the way back to opening night. Heedle's down. Strom, we knew, was probably moving back to a center position. But what if they just – the plan going into camp was to keep Strom on a wing. 
and it changed late to move him back to center. We could go back to opening night when he, when Anderson was coming off a great training camp. Even the first two games, Anderson in limited time looked good. Rangers never wanted to move him up. Zibanejad gets hurt. Heedle comes up. Still don't want to move Anderson up. Howden struggles. Even after Howden gets promoted to the second line, struggles even more than he was, gets promoted, demoted back down to the third line. Anderson still doesn't get moved up. It the If you want to complain about Leas Anderson not giving a chance, we're here for it. We've said it before. The biggest criticism you, myself, could lodge against this Rangers coaching staff is if Philip Heedle wasn't too good for the AHL, why was Leas Anderson seemingly too good for the AHL? Why even put Anderson in the situation where he's averaging 10 minutes a night on the fourth line? Why are we even doing this? What was the point? <laughs> 10 minutes is Who generous, benefited? Gregory. Like, that, I don't even think he gets that most nights. I, th- I think if you look at his average, not five on five, he's getting less than 10 minutes. But if you if you include his penalty kill time, I think he comes to just about 10 minutes a night. It's just if you wanna if you wanna criticize Quinn, it's it's not just the whole Brett Howden aspect of this. It's really and honestly, this this also goes to Gorton because Gorton is the one that at the end of the day gets to control who gets promoted, who gets demoted. Why was Leas Anderson being put in this situation that clearly wasn't an advantage to him? He wasn't benefiting. The guys he was playing with, he will play with better, more equipped players in Hartford than he was playing with here in New York. Well, he's playing with defenders, so, I mean. Defenders on the wing, yeah. He's going to go down there and play with guys like Phil DiGiuseppe and um, Danny O'Regan, who are proven AHL scorers and solid AHL forwards, and he's hopefully going to cook like Heedle did. It just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from the standpoint of, fine, if Anderson is struggling, and we all agreed two weeks ago that Anderson was no longer playing well, why did it take another two weeks to send him down? Why wasn't he sent down when we first said, all right, it's starting to look like Anderson is struggling, right? Because at some point in time, we crossed the line. It was no longer a conversation of, does Anderson deserve more playing time? His play was slipping. That's fine. If his play's slipping and you can't take him off the fourth line, the only thing you can then do is send him down to Hartford. He should have been sent down to Hartford then. So it's no... There are no winners here, right? It, at the end of the, oh, I'm not saying it. I almost did. <laughs> at the Leas, same time, Leas Anderson, Leas Anderson, is going to be put in a better position to succeed in Hartford. And we're still talking about a 21 year old forward with first round grade pedigree who has upside. It's still there. He's not. He hasn't busted out of the NHL yet. He's not cooked. He's not going to be the first 21 year old in the history of the National Hockey League to struggle. And he's not going to be the last 21-year-old in the history of the National Hockey League to struggle. There's plenty of time for Leas Anderson to change his own narrative. It's just, it's confusing why this Ranger coaching staff and this Ranger front office put Philip Heedle in better situations than they're putting Leas Anderson. I get, we we all well, understand let's, that I mean, Heedle let's, let's has a higher about Brett Howden now. We do this every week. I feel like we do the same dance every week on this podcast. We sure do. I don't understand. I don't get it. Someone DM me. Someone tweet at me. Don't DM me. Tweet at me. What does Howden do better than Leas? I'm just curious. I'm genuinely curious. I know I'm supposed to watch the team, and I, 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 I do. I, you know, I, I do the best analysis I can. I'm just not sure what Howden is providing that Leas Anderson isn't at this point. I don't know what he does well, what he's special at. 
I'm just curious. And I like Howden. I do. But I don't know why he gets the special treatment. That's all. We'll keep that short this week because I, I don't. Well, it's not even it's it's not even special treatment. It's where I'm going to ask Vince this point, Blake, and I'm sure he's going to have his feathers a little rustled. But Vince knows us. We know Vince. He'll get over it. It the beat gets angry when fans go, why isn't Leah Sanderson getting more ice time? And the beat is correct when they say it's because he's not playing well. That's all fine and good. It's the follow up question that I feel like gets left out of the report on a daily basis. It's. We all understand Leah Anderson is not playing well. Then what Brett what is Brett Howden doing well? And no one's really been able to answer the what does Brett Howden really do well question. People like to point out his face-off percentage, which is not they say not, he plays a two-way game. Here's the thing. Whoever whoever is putting out the narrative that Brett Howden is a 200-foot Kevin Hayes-like hockey player, we're not watching the same games. Even it just straight up eye test Brett Howden struggles defensively. It's it's he's, funny that you bring up Kevin Hayes because, you know, A.V. Oh, like, yeah, Lane Vigneault being like, hey, he's a nice today. guy, but I need more from him as a hockey player. Yeah, I love him as a person. Uh, if only anyone could see that player. fucking coming. Oh, who knew? Uh, if only someone could have seen that. At coming. least Hayes got the bags, okay. you know? At least he got the bags. He, hey, he's $7 million a year, bro. It's it's a good life he's living. I guess it's, it's just not too bad. With with Howden, here, the, the animal in the room is, Leah Sanderson did, probably deserved to go down to Hartford to get better playing time. We've asked this about Brett Howden. This is a guy that has four career AHL games under his belt. And for the most part, sans six games he's played in the NHL, he just looks overmatched on a nightly basis. He doesn't look good. I don't understand how we're helping Brett Howden on a nightly basis. We weren't helping Leas Anderson on a nightly basis, and he struggled. And the Rangers, while late, are trying to correct that behavior. We're not helping Brett Howden become a better hockey player by throwing him into shark-infested waters and asking him the, the doggy paddle. You're, you're not helping. He's struggling. If the goal here is to make Brett Howden a better hockey player for the next five, six, seven years, we are, we're not seeing any evidence that this is going to do it. it, it and it's, we've said this stuff about Lieber Hayek recently, who's another guy we feel probably could benefit from an AHL monthly stint it just it's the thing that's frustrating about this management and this coaching staff is they seem to understand on a simplistic basis that something is wrong and they seem to understand that there's something that has to change in order for this team to improve on a nightly basis the frustration comes in with the things they identify as being the problem aren't the problem, right? It's, well, Leah Sanderson is struggling. That's why he's not getting more ice time. That's fine. But then what's up with Brett Howden? Well, we have seven defensemen. So Ryan Lindgren needs to take a night off, even though he's played well. That's fine. But how has Lieber Hayek been better? It's it's all these, it's like the Rangers are answering 60% 60 of the question correctly but their interpretation of the final 40% is what's holding them back. Let's talk about for the last couple of minutes before we put Vince on, we've kind of been, we haven't been negative today. I don't think we've been negative, but let's talk about some, some of the better things that are going on with the Rangers right now, which are, which is we haven't, I know this is crazy. And I always, I, I you brought this up once the theory that once we record about a game, I totally forget about it. 
Well, we recorded on the Athletic Bonus, which you can, by the way, you can go on and sign up right now, theathletic.com slash BSB to listen to our BSB OTs every week. But we talked about the Capococco and Adam Fox game, which we did not talk about on this game, uh, on this podcast, rather. And I guess just to recap that moment, that's maybe the happiest I've been watching a Ranger game in over a year. Um, it was a tremendous moment. And then immediately Kako gets sick with the flu and doesn't play the next two games and the hype train dies and we get absolutely destroyed by Tampa. The other good thing about the Raiders right now is Artemi Panarin is worth every single penny he's being paid. I don't understand how his legs are so tiny and yet he's such a talented player. He couldn't be more dynamic. He's the only, would you say other than maybe when Hank is on, on playing really well and I guess Adam Fox or, or this week, Rather, was he like the only bright spot, or was were the uh, other ones I was missing like maybe Strom? I wouldn't say only bright spot. Uh, Strom continues at some point. Trade value boys, yeah. Uh, we right, gotta, we gotta I'm, have that I'm still a big. We're, yeah. we're still big trade boys, but man, we were griping for so long about his shooting percentage and how everything he did with the Rangers last year is unsustainable. Look, whatever whatever chemistry he has with Artemi Panarin is working for all parties. And if it's going to make him a more attractive trade chip come the trade deadline, more power to him. If Zibanejad ever gets healthy, and at this point, your guess is as good as mine for when that happens, uh, I think your top line has to be Panarin, Zibanejad, Zibanejad, and Strom. And I'm not even thinking twice about it. Not just because Strom works with Panarin, but because if you want a positive, again, the second line continues to be super productive in Kreider, Hedl, and Buchnevich. Um Booch now has been the best third in the league in primary assists, I believe. It, it sounds good. Booch is Magnus. He's doing well. Uh, Buckles, as hockey stat miner would call him. Um, wow, third name drop for hockey hockey stat miner on this podcast. He's dude. having a good. He's Sheesh. having a good podcast. A lot of brand, a lot podcast. of ads for him. Okay. Yeah, unlike Stat Boy, but that's not the point. Uh, Shots fired. <laughs> Panarin has been the best Ranger not named Henrik Lundqvist this year. Uh, if you want positives from this week. It's getting harder and harder for me to say Tony D'Angelo is just a, a, a bad hockey player. Yep, truly is, Gregory. <laughs> really, I still really is. I will say he he's making me eat my words, and I respect him for it. I I, I enjoy being wrong as much as I enjoy being right, uh, because it means I like being wrong when it's a guy is outperforming my expectations. Like it's good that I was wrong. We were wrong about Strom. The things that's like a good thing to be wrong about. Absolutely. And D'Angelo for me. It's a good thing that I was wrong about him. At the same time, I still, I don't see any reason, and I, I don't think you see any reason to give this guy a long term deal. I just, I just play the arbitration game with him. The more I, until I, he becomes a free agent. The one thought I did have Ranger base this weekend that I kind of pondered on a lot is, and and we had Sean Tierney on the podcast a couple weeks ago. I definitely want to have Sean back on sometime in January, February, talk more about his analytics on the New York Rangers when we don't have a three game sample size. But man, I, every chart I see from him, man, we're just and I'm I'm learning analytics. I really am diving deep for the first time in my life and just looking. At, we're always in the super bad section all by ourselves, and a lot of that has to do with the defense. And I don't. The one of the ways you get out of that is by bringing in new, young, enthusiastic talent that actually plays defense. And Tony D'Angelo is part of what is making us our defense quite bad currently. Now, it's not his fault. I like some of our defensemen. I like Lindgren a lot. I like Tony D'Angelo. I think Jacob Truba has a lot to improve on. But once he gets away from Hayek, I think th those things will happen. But I can't help but think, why would we just take this defense and be like, yep, this is what we want to do for the next five years. So I just I just don't see a reason or, or how we'll sign Tony D'Angelo. And I'm starting to lean towards 
I don't think he'll be a Ranger next year, like you said. I think I'm starting to lean towards that that opinion. I I if he is a Ranger next year, which is which is within the realm of possibility, I think it's going to be once again on a one year deal, and the Rangers agree to that deal either through arbitration or um, before they go to a hearing. I just D'Angelo's good. D'Angelo's young. He's having the best year of his career, bar none. He seems to benefit from David Quinn's coaching style more so than just about any other player the Rangers have ever had on the blue line. I just, it's it's nice having Tony D'Angelo because he's basically a hedge that someone like Keandre Miller, Niels Lundqvist, Igor Rykov, Joey Keane, all these young guys the Rangers have in the system, he's a hedge that one, two, or three of them don't pan out the way we think. But I'm with you, dude. Like, if we all agree that the Rangers' biggest deficiency this year and in the future is how their defense is playing, and some of that is 100%, again, on the shoulders of the coaching staff and the systems they play in, uh, and I think nobody is understanding that more than Jacob Trouba this year, who it's it's very interesting that Trouba's struggling and Neil Pionk is thriving, but that's neither here nor there. It just makes you think is all I'm trying to say. Not it's just it, not a conspiracy guy, just a connected dots guy. Just connect with that guy. It's just, it's, the defense has to change. But and at some point that. that change can't just be everyone needs to get a year older and a year better. I, I've i said it once, I've said it again. The only two guys I think are guaranteed spots in this New York Rangers blue line for the foreseeable future are Jacob Chuba and Adam Fox. And I think everyone else is playing for a job. And while D'Angelo is playing well, I think if some team comes up to you and says, I would like this 23-year-old defenseman that seems to finally figured it out. Here's the first-round pick. I would very much welcome that, especially since I won't have to pay Tony D'Angelo next. If the if the Rangers can keep Tony D'Angelo without giving him a long-term deal, it makes the most sense to me, and I, I think you agree with that. Agree. Let's get to our guest for today. We have Vincent Mercagliano of USA Today, but first, let's do some ads. Transition. Ladies and gentlemen, hockey's not on. We know what weekends are made for, football. And with so many college and pro games on the slate, the DraftKings Sportsbook app can make your weekend even better. How could you do that? Tell me, Ryan. This week, DraftKings is running a special NFL insurance promo. Bet on a team to win. That's it, just a team. And if they score at least 24 points, your bet is safe. DraftKings will credit back your wager if the team goes on to lose. (laughs) Look at DraftKings being so nice. So download DraftKings Sportsbook app today and get... Listen, you have in-game betting. You can bet on the games while they're happening. You can do it with hockey. Download the DraftKings Sports app right now and use the code QUICK. That's right, QUICK. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's code QUICK. For all new and existing users to get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 years or older to apply. New Jersey only to apply. Sorry. You must be 21 years or older. New Jersey only. Deposit bonus requires 20x... Uh, 25x playthrough restrictions apply see site for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER and also while I'm here guys talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves and say things like hey I just lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry honey the Mets lost tonight but with Roman it's easy to talk about it 
With a real doctor who can prescribe a real medication, and it's super simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you for free with two days. Oh, not for free with free two day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Get started is simple. Just go to roman.com slash BSB and that's it. Sign up. Just go to roman.com slash BSB to get a free online visit and free two day shipping. Hey, we're back with one of my favorite guests of all time. And of course, Twitter phenom Vince Bercogliano of USA Today and Lohut Sports. Vince, say hello. Hello. You've uh you've been a hot topic on Twitter of recent because you are the person that responds the most to anyone who is also a beat writer. What's that been like for you? Oh, responding to people, it's been uh, <laughs> it has its highs and lows. <laughs> I think that's the appropriate way to talk about it. Um, and, and political also. <laughs> has has your view of the fan base changed in the first two months of this season, Vince? Ah. Uh, y- Yes and no. I mean, I kind of expected that there would be reactions to to everything. Um, So, no, I don't think that, like, I didn't anticipate any of it. Uh, You know, I will say this, too. So I try to respond to everybody that comes to me with reasonable questions. Uh, But there's also some times when I can't help myself but respond to the people who are being unreasonable. (laughs) Sometimes that's kind of the more fun part of it. Trust um, me, Greg quote tweets everybody for this. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. I put people on blast. It's fun, but it's it, fun. It, it's a, it's all love. I mean, honestly, the, it, the spirited debate that comes with following sports, like I love that. I mean, you ask anybody that knows me, like I'm always down for a conversation, a debate, an argument. You know, that, that's all kind of that's all kind of the fun of it. Sometimes people take it too far. Most of it I ignore. Once in a while I clap back and might resort to a little public shaming just to kind of, you know, <laughs> not put them in their place. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but uh, it's, it's all love. Honestly, like everybody who I, I have not blocked one person. I've had a lot of people advise me to do so, um, but I'm not really into doing that. Like you can come at me with whatever, with whatever you want. I, I have pretty thick skin with that. But once in a while, like, uh, if you're being relentless or completely irrational, I might decide just to, you know, put a little something out there that might make you think about what you're doing a little bit more. So, so Vince, what you're saying is you're prepared to admit that, yes, you are just the shill for David Quinn. We're asking Correct. the, we're asking the yeah, hard I, questions. I, I mean, actually, people are saying, Vin, they are. provided me with all the talking points for this, for this interview. I have a list in front of me. Okay, right let, great question. So read number one in the list. <laughs> Number one says, uh, defend me at all costs. Okay, all right. So why did David Quinn not play Leah Sanderson more than four minutes a night? Are we are we going to go serious or are we going to uh, keep joking around? I was joking around for a bit, but uh, we'll, we'll, I'll do it serious. Uh, at this point, wh- did you guys, did you see it coming? Did the beat writers see it coming that Leah was getting sent down? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys read what I write, but, but I wrote it. You on write so much, Saturday Vince. You post night. literally every single day that I don't keep up, but I do read some of your articles. Yes. All right. Well, I wrote on on you know what I've been doing for games because like I, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bored by the like recapping every goal of the game. I don't know if you guys have seen the way that I've been tackling the game coverage, but I've been more just like stream of consciousness, writing down what my thoughts are for each game, little tidbits that I pick up from talking to players in the locker room. Um, little opinions that I have based on what happened in the game, kind of putting things in, in the context of the big picture. Uh, and Saturday night, I had written the story earlier Saturday because at the morning skate, I noticed after practice that Quinn spent 
probably a good 10 minutes or so with Leas on the ice. Uh, and they were having an extended conversation. It was, it was animated. It seemed positive. There's a lot of hand movements and nodding and that sort of thing. And I asked Quinn afterwards, and, and I've tried to ask Quinn many times to give me the specifics of a behind the scenes conversation that he had. It's kind of like almost a running joke where he's like, I'm not going to tell you what I talked about. Uh, but he actually, he did tell me that he was trying to tell Leas, listen, you know, I know that you're not playing, not, not that you're not playing great, but that there's things that you've been struggling with. And uh, he, he made it sound like he was trying to instill him with some confidence. And I wrote a little story just basically telling people what Quinn had told me. And then later that night, he played Leas for less than four minutes. So as the game was progressing and I was realizing what was going on, I sort of, in my mind, started thinking, you know what? Enough of is enough at this point. Maybe it's best for them to send him down. So I wrote that Saturday night. I had a feeling it might be coming. I didn't think it was going to be coming the next day, but I definitely sensed that, that that's the direction it was heading. I, Vince, we're not, we're not going to do what we've been doing. And honestly, Ryan and I got so tired of doing it last week that we promised ourselves we wouldn't talk about Leas Anderson again on this podcast for at least the rest of the month. It didn't work obviously, since the news made itself. So the question I have for you, and I, I, you, again, are a guy around the team a lot more than we are. We understand that Leas Anderson has been struggling for the better part of what feels like the last three weeks. And I think that if, we, if we're being just as conservative as we can, it's been at least the last three weeks he's been struggling. What is it that you either can tell us that David Quinn sees, or what is it you feel David Quinn sees in a guy like Brett Howden that is separate from the struggles that Leas Anderson had. So we're not even talking about does Leas Anderson deserve more ice time than Brett Howden. I feel like neither of them deserve the ice time because they're struggling. But what is it about Brett Howden that gets brushed over or pushed aside or unnoticed by us casuals that the coaching staff sees and clearly likes because Howden still gets fed minutes? Yeah, uh, well, it's it, it's a reasonable question, and I've tried to ask it in a variety of different ways. It, it, the thing is, you know, I'm not. It, it doesn't make sense to go straight to Quinn and say, "Do you think that Howden is better than Leas right now?" Because clearly he does. I mean, the actions right. speak louder than the words. Howden right. has been playing on the third line. He even got some looks on the second line, whereas Leas has been on the fourth line since day one of the season. So clearly they trust Howden more than Leas right now. I think that it's fair to say, and Quinn has not in so many words, but basically with his actions told you this, that Howden has slightly outplayed Leas. I don't think either one of them has stood out. We know that their depth at center is questionable. We, we talked about that in, the, in training camp. We've talked about it all summer. This isn't a surprise that, that right now they don't have great depth at center. Howden, I think, for one, even though it's actually gotten closer, I looked at the numbers earlier, earlier today, although Howden has taken quite a few more, for one, Howden has been throughout not only this year but last year, he's slightly better on faceoffs. Uh, I know that seems like a small thing to people, but Quinn makes a big deal about faceoffs, and I know that they trust Howden more on faceoffs. Howden's also a bigger player. I think he's, he, they feel like he can withstand the physicality of the league better than Leas can. He does a better job of getting to the net. I, I just think that when it comes to him being a bigger player just in terms of his sheer size, they trust him more there. I think they trust him more in the defensive zone. If you've noticed recently, he's been getting a lot more run on the penalty kill than Leas has. Uh, and I think that they trust him more on faceoffs. I think that it's, it might seem like minor things to people, but the overall body of work, 
you know, neither one of them have a lot of points, but Howden obviously has more points than Leas. I know people will point to the, the line mates that Leas has played with, and, th- and that's a fair thing when it comes to the points. But just overall, Howden has had a couple games that stood out. I mean, the Sabres game in particular, I thought Howden was really good in that game. I don't think I could sit here and tell you that there's one game that Leas really stood out to me as, as like a guy that was, you know, jumping off the page at you, jumping off the ice at you, and making you think that he really deserved that promotion. Right, no, and this is this this is just three guys talking it out. We obviously we're asking you the questions, knowing you cannot go into that locker room tomorrow and make the lineup. So we're just we're just three guys talking. But the the saying. counterpoint to Leah Anderson hasn't had even one good game like Brett Howden has would simply be Leah's never had the opportunity, and that is true. And the question is, did Leah deserve the opportunity? We don't quite think he did. Once you got past about game eight or nine, uh, it just the thing that we feel frustrated about, the thing that I think floods your mentions most in terms of frustration, it it's just it it does feel like at some point in time, despite the mounting evidence that Brett Howden hasn't been good, even at the things the Rangers think he's been doing well, it 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 he does play by different rules. And it's it does seem frustrating from a fan standpoint, which is why your mentions get flooded all the time. Anytime Leah Anderson farts. I'm sure you get 16 replies being like, yeah, but his fart was louder than Brett Howden. So like, I'm sure you're just extremely tired of hearing anything about Anderson. It's just, we're painting the full picture. And it's just interesting to me that a guy like David Quinn, a coaching staff like David Quinn, a guy I think has the potential to be a quite a good NHL coach. It's almost like he's blind to some of the things that Brett Howden doesn't do well, but he sees them in 2020 vision when a guy like Leas Anderson does the same thing. Well, basically what you have is you have two guys that neither of them has been great offensively. Neither of them has shown a lot of skill offensively. So defensively is really what it comes down to. They've both been used more as defensive forwards. They've both been used on the PK. But Howden is a bigger guy who Quinn thinks is better defensively, thinks is better on the faceoff. You know, again, these are minor things. And I don't think that – I agree. I mean, I don't know if you read the column that we published a little while ago. I – totally agree that Leas should have been just for the sake of giving him a different look should have been used on the third line at some point because you know it was clear his confidence was lacking and that was becoming more apparent in recent in recent weeks his play was regressing and I think that maybe moving him up would have given him a little bit of a boost it could have given him a spark and even if it didn't I think it would have been worth seeing if it did before you sent him down. So, I mean, listen, I, I can tell you right now, I know that, that, that Quinn feels the heat from those questions because he, he, he brought it up in the press conference today. He was like, I get it. I know this is what everybody's talking about. I know this is what you guys have been asking me about repeatedly. But, you know, he has been adamant that he did not want to just move Leas up to move him up. He wanted him to earn it. That's his coaching style. I mean, you know, I, I think that it's fair to give him criticism for that. But he's made it very clear that, he didn't want to move Leas up as an experimental thing. I think that was a mistake, but he wanted Leas to do something to earn it. He wanted Leas to have a standout game or do something in practice. I, a lot of this, too, is practice. I mean, that came up to do, uh, today, uh, too. Carp actually asked him about that. Is, is this not only about what you're seeing in the games, but what you're seeing in practice? And clearly, he thinks that Howden has been outperforming Leas in practice as well. So it is what it is. I think ultimately Leas going to Hartford is the right thing right now. I would have liked to see Quinn give him a look on a different line just to see how he responded to that. 
But I, I don't think him going to the Har- to Hartford is the worst thing. It obviously worked well for Philip Heedle, and now we'll see where it goes for Leah. Yeah, I, I guess the last point on Leas, and then we have to move off it because everyone is just tired of talking about it. I know you're tired of hearing about it, and we're tired about asking it. But I, I do wonder if I'm all for the earn it mantra. That's fine. But then it, it, it becomes the question of why wasn't Leas just sent down sooner? Like, why, why did we go through this dance for an extra week or two when we knew that this should have been the outcome six, seven games ago? Well, I think the biggest reason for for that is they haven't had Mika for 10 games. I think if Mika had been healthy, um, they might have done it sooner. But right now, they're, they're short on bodies, and then they've had Kako sick for the last four or five days. So I think it was a matter of time, unless Leas all of a sudden had a big game that changed the perception. Uh, but I, I, it probably would have happened sooner if not for Mika being out hurt. But at the same time, I think we're we're coming up on we played 18 games. We're coming up on game 19, so it's not even a quarter point of the season to give Leas a quarter of the season to make an impression before sending him down. I don't think it's the end of the world. I will also say this: I specifically asked Quinn today what changed between training camp when they were praising Leas and now when they decided to send him down. And he just he flat out said that he thinks Leas has been inconsistent. He's had good shifts. He's had bad shifts. He hasn't shown enough consistency for Quinn to trust him with a more prominent role. And um, Larry Brooks today asked if he thought about moving uh, Leas to the wing to replace Kako in the last couple of days when Kako went out sick. And he said that he thinks Greg McKaig has outplayed Leas. So mm. that, that's where we're at. I, I, and, and quite frankly, I think that's hard to argue. I think if you've watched the last five or six games, McKaig has been a better player than Leas. I know fans don't want to hear that because Leas is the number seven overall pick. And McKaig is like a journeyman player that's been kicked around by several organizations. And a legend. But, don't th- you know, don't, yeah, don't say bad things about Greg McKaig. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, where well, you I are know, right yeah. now. I, I, know you guys, I know you guys love him. So McKaig. But it's a combination. Again, it, it, just to restate and please read my column if you want to like go dive deeper into this because I wrote over a thousand words on this earlier today. But I, I really do think that it would have been worthwhile to give Leas another opportunity just to see how he responded. But did he earn it? Did he play well? I think that that is a no. So that, that's really what it comes down to. And now he'll go down to Hartford. We'll see what happens. But, I, I, you know, I think it's too soon to judge him. I wrote this at the end. I mean, but maybe, maybe the possibility is that the Rangers did, just didn't make a great pick. You know, number seven overall. I know people expect a top ten pick to be a real difference maker. But, you know, Leas is a great kid. He works hard. I think he's got a great attitude. But I don't think we've seen the – potential the upside yet that you would expect from a pick like that so I think people need to be realistic about what they're watching I know they want him to be something great but have you really seen something great so far no I think the answer is probably no if you're being if you're being honest with I'm being super honest with myself I haven't uh there's nothing that Leas has done that's super that's blown me away uh whereas Heedle has done a thousand different things that's blown me away and they're the same draft class so I and Heedle's younger but doesn't mean he's not he's a he's a bust yet but we're going to find out pretty soon we'll see if he stays on the team but yeah, let's let's just keep perspective as well, though. Like the guys who went between seven and thirteen in that draft class, none of them have really shined. Owen Tippett is yet to play a game in the NHL with the Florida Panthers. Cody Glass finds himself in and out of the Vegas lineup on a nightly basis. Uh, Gabe Bellardi hasn't played yet for a LA Kings team that desperately needs literally anything that looks like talent. So it's it. I, I do think sometimes with Leah's hype, and this will be my last thing I say about Leah's because I'm tired of it. This is for real this time, not a joke. Yeah, for, for real. It's just <laughs> every, everyone's quick to draw a conclusion about a 21-year-old, and it's he's 21. 
Like I get that we've seen him for three years now in bits and pieces. And I get that that feels like a very long time, but it, he's still 21. Literally anything can happen with him. And this, this demotion is probably the best thing that could happen to him because he's actually going to play with guys not named Michael Haley and Brendan Smith. So let's see what he does. We'll, we'll regroup with him in a month. But Vince, I got to ask, uh, you, you brought up Mika Zibanejad, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, do you think it's odd at all from where you sit that the Rangers aren't being more transparent about what's happening with Zibanejad? Good question, Greg. Not that I was going to ask it or anything, but go on. Yeah. Okay. So there's two sides to this. Yes, I think it's odd because in the, I think we've talked about this before. In the past, I covered a lot of baseball, and in baseball, they usually tell you what the injury is. Yep. In the NFL, they put the injury on the injury report weekly. I've come to learn that's not how it works in the NHL. They're not required to give us specifics on the injury. So while I think it's, I can understand from a fan perspective how it's frustrating, and trust me, I mean, either me or somebody else has asked David Quinn every single day that we've been around him since Miko went down with this injury – all he says is he's progressing. It's day to day, upper body. One day he mentioned the neck. Um, the very first day, the night it happened of the Boston game, I asked him in the press conference, is it, is it a concussion? He said, no. Everybody I know tweets at me every day. They think it's a concussion. Unless you want me to stand up in the middle of the press conference and scream liar, uh, I have to believe that it's not a concussion right now. Uh, but, you know, they are not required to give us more information. And while I think you can make an argument that they should be required to tell you that uh, all the writers that I've spoken with have basically just said, this is, the, this is the norm where we, we, they are, they not, they don't have to give us more details if they don't want to. And clearly right now they don't want to. Yeah. I, I, I don't think requirements, the right word that I would use. Like at the end of the, it, it's always weird that we <laughs> fans require health information about players that we personally wouldn't want out about ourselves in the first place at the same time if you're the new york rangers i feel like you would want to control your own injury narrative so you don't have twenty-seven thousand twitter doctors saying oh it's a concussion it's clearly a concussion it as a team don't you think it would be beneficial just to get ahead of the old the, your own storm and say if it's a concussion yes it's a concussion he's in protocol and if it's not a concussion just say it's he has a neck injury and just be consistent every day that it is a neck injury and keep drilling it in everyone's head. It's just the thing that always blows my mind about the NHL. It's it, it feels like they forget that they have the power to control their own narratives. And instead of realizing that power, they sometimes go, well, I don't understand why everyone's angry. That's, that's fair. I mean, listen, I, I think they should probably tell, they should probably be more transparent about it, but you know, it is what it is. There's nothing really more we can do except ask every day. We asked again today. The answer was he's progressing. He's he's not he's not going to play Wednesday. He's day to day. We'll reevaluate later in the week. I mean, you know that. <laughs> I understand the frustration. I really do. Uh, but I I wish I had more information for you. you well, know, that, let, that, that's that's all I can tell you. Let me ask you about a topic you might have more information on. Is uh, did you get a chance to speak to Capacaco at all today and see how he's feeling? The clergy, is, the, yeah, cl the clergy is worried. So please, please inform us. Yeah. So I, I went over to him as soon as he is, you know, usually I'm sure you guys have heard this or read this, that he is almost always the last guy on the ice Yeah. today. As soon as practice ended, he came off. So that oh. to me was immediately a sign like, okay, he's not feeling great. And I even thought like he looked winded after certain shifts today. Um, he, he just didn't completely look like himself. 
And so when we were in the locker room, I, I walked up to him. It wasn't a formal interview or anything, but I just walked up to him to catch up and say, how you doing? He said he was feeling a little bit better, uh, but he still was not feeling great, clearly. Um, I asked him how he liked Florida. He said he stayed in his hotel room the whole time, so that goes to show you that he really hasn't been feeling well. Today, he said he was planning to go home and rest. Uh, I asked him about Wednesday. He said, you know, I'm still not sure, but th that's really the update. Quinn did say that, you know, he practiced today. I'm, I'm pretty confident he's going to play on Wednesday. So it would be a little bit of a surprise if he doesn't play, but he – the Kako that I've seen for the last two months uh, has been on the, the last guy on the ice almost every day. And today he was like one of the first ones off. So that to me was a pretty clear indication that he's still, per, you know, not quite a hundred percent. That's a hell yeah, of a I flu. Struggle to, I, well, I struggle to get to my kitchen when I have the flu and that's a solid 40 feet away from my room. And I don't have to worry I, about I, grown men checking me while I'm trying to get to the kitchen. So I can't imagine what it feels like to actually try to play hockey through the flu. Yeah, and I don't know if it's flu necessarily or flu-like symptoms, but he's definitely not feeling well. That that was just from talking to him, you could tell that. Got it. All right, so we'll see if he does play on Wednesday. We will uh, not expect the best performance from the Lord and Savior, but everyone's got to get through some hard times. Let's talk hey, about everybody. Everybody has everybody has their own flu game. Everyone's got one. That's true. Uh, he might have multiple coming up. We'll see. But let's find out. Uh, will Michael Haley be Elias Anderson's line mate down in the AHL? It's unclear right now. Um, he cleared waivers, so the Rangers still have his rights. They can do whatever they want with him. Um, you know, I think that the obvious you – know, it seems kind of strange that they would put him on waivers if they didn't intend to send him to Hartford. But with Kako still being sick, Mika being out for another game, it's, it is isn't. I was told today they might keep him on the roster. Um, they might not send him to Hartford yet. So it's not a guarantee that he goes down. Obviously, I think eventually he will. Um, the lines that they rolled out there today, I'm pretty, which I tweeted out earlier, I'm pretty sure what we'll see on Wednesday night. Um, but, yeah, right now they haven't announced what they're doing with him yet. So he could be in Hartford or he could be still on the roster. Yeah, I think it's it's 10 games or 30 days, whichever happens first. That's when you have to make the decision with the player that you waive. So they, mm -hmm. have, they have wiggle room. Uh, the new guy, Tim Gettinger, what were your first impressions? He's tall. <laughs> short guy podcast uh, here no, yeah no i got to talk to him for a while today seems like a good kid this today was actually the first time i ever spoke to him um but you know he's not going to be a guy that they're expecting to light up the scoreboard he's he's a fourth line grinder they were using him on the pk today um he he said he feels really good about his game and the way that he's been playing at hartford uh he said he he, he reiterated everybody that's come up from hartford has has spoken very highly of what's going on there right now. He said the culture feels entirely different than it did last year. Um, he seemed to have a little bit of confidence and swagger about him. Again, a big body. Uh, you know, we'll see. I haven't really watched him play a lot, so I can't, you know, break down his game quite yet. But I do know that he's six foot six, one of the biggest guys on the team now, and that they're looking him at him obviously as a fourth line guy who's going to grind, play some defense, be used on the PK. I think he had six points and. 17 or 18 whatever it was games with Harper so again he's not going to be a guy that they're looking for a lot of points out of um but he's only 21 so obviously there's some there's some youth there there's some upside there and, and we'll get a chance to see him play now yeah I think the way the Rangers are going to use him is probably his long-term outlook in the NHL he's a guy that can live in your bottom six doesn't give up a whole lot also if he's your 13th forward that's okay too I think he's he's basically your 
23rd, 24th man on your MLB bench. Good utility player. Interesting guy. Adds a little bit different, but nobody we need to start planning Hall of Fame speeches for. Yeah, and, and once Mika's back, I mean, his lineup spot is probably out. I, I think once Mika is back, your fourth line is McKaig, Smith, and the, the third spot will be interesting because it's maybe Lemieux. I don't know. I, I think the lineup is going to be you know, get a little bit more crowded, a, a lot deeper once you get Mika back. But, um, yeah, Gettinger, you know, he, he'll play Wednesday night, I'm pretty sure, and beyond that, it's kind of to be determined. Vince, I don't have any more questions for you, but I was kind of wondering, is there a guy in the locker room that people sort of swirl around or has, has changed the atmosphere? I know Strom has been doing a lot of the social media posts for the Rangers recently. So, and, and also the Rangers social media has been doing a much better job this year. Is there uh, any like untold stories or something you haven't really written about that's just, like a small interaction with a player that's uh, kind of trying to keep it fun and light in the locker room? Um. Yeah, well, Strom is definitely a talker. Uh, Strom, Strom's a guy that, that is, very approachable and and uh he's a good quote guy and you know he's he's kind of one of it's been interesting now because without mika and without stall i mean those are usually two of the guys that were always available after games and would try to put things into perspective obviously they're ultimate captains so without those guys right now uh you know the main talkers have been chris Kreider. Jesper Foss has been out there a lot. He's another uh, alternate captain, and Strom, and, and obviously Hank. Hank is always always available. Hank's Hank's great, you know, great to talk to and put things into perspective. But in terms of keeping the locker room light, you know, th- that would mostly be a lot of the younger guys. Brendan Lemieux for sure is a big jokester. Tony D'Angelo for sure is a big jokester. Or Artemi's got a great personality. He is he's always smiling. He he's like always coming up to you and saying hi to you, and just just very friendly and. He's working on his English. He's funny because, you know, you'll talk to him a little bit in English, and then he wants to, like, verify with you afterwards. Was that okay? Did I give you anything good? He's he's still a little unsure about using English too much, but he's definitely getting better. Um, I even noticed today he was uh, joking around. Carp, I think, was like they were talking about some tattoo that he had or something. So he's just very funny and, and kind of a bright, bubbly personality. Um, I'm glad you said that because yeah, there's been some rumors that Artemi actually does know English and he's lying to you guys. So now that we've cleared that up, that he clearly doesn't, uh, because he he speaks to you guys only in Russian most days. So I'm glad that he's trying though. No, he speak, he's he'll speak to us in English. It's just you know still getting there. It's limited. It's limited. Yeah, you know, he, I get it. He he can understand most of the things that you say, and he can definitely talk back. And he's been giving some quotes in English lately. But in terms of doing an extensive interview, he he's more comfortable if his translator is there. He seems like one of the, one of the most fun people to hang out with. Period. He just seems like he absolutely oh. loves New York and stop. Yeah, for I, I would say if you're ranking the guys that seem like they're having the most fun right now, he's he's right near the top of the list. Agree, uh, Greg. I'm out of questions. What about you? Vince, I just want to make sure that we're still your favorite podcasters. Yeah, just now checking. That you've been just everywhere checking. in there. Not that we're, you know, uh, self-conscious. You guys are big time now. I mean, I, <laughs> what are you, I, I'm us? a subscriber. <laughs> the Athletic? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, who, yeah, who yeah, me? I, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, how's that been treating you guys so far? It's a lot of work, but uh, we love it. <laughs> I got to tell you, I edit a lot more and I read ads now. So, you know, I'm an adult. Things are nice. I still wear a Pope, uh, a Pope attire once in a while. I'll be at a game soon, so I'll see you there. I want I, I want it to be known that I was in from the ground floor before the athletic came. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You were an original supporter. You, 
you could you can make the argument, Vince, that we wouldn't be with the athletic if it wasn't for you. We I mean, we didn't start up. talking to them until you came on the podcast twice. That's that that's an excellent point. And you know, uh, me me and Carp are friends, so maybe Car did Carp put in a good word for you guys? I, I, no, there's let, no. He definitely me, told them them no fucking way. No, let me explain this. I I reached out to Carp and he said I had no idea this was happening, and I said nothing. <laughs> Thank you, Carp. I really appreciate it. So that that sounds that sounds exactly like what he would say. Yeah, I'm not I'm not done with Carp Snapchat. We're we're gonna get to the bottom of Carp Snapchat one day. One day, Vince. One day. Vince mm. Why don't you um. Give everyone where you write stories every single day. Let everyone know what you uh, do. Yeah, I would say the best thing to do is find me on Twitter at ZZ Mercogliano. Or you guys, you guys can tweet it out later or something. We, re- we retweet spelling it constantly. So, yeah, but I just just if you go to any of the USA Today properties, specifically, I would suggest uh, lohud.com or NorthJersey.com. You can find my stuff. Just go to their Rangers page. Awesome, Vince. Thank you so much for coming on, and we'll see you at a game soon or talk to you soon. All right, guys. Cool. Thanks. Peace out, man. Transition. Hey, we're back. All right. Uh, great job by Vince. Just covered all the main topic storylines right now. Him and Rick obviously are the unbeatable tandem of beat writers for the Rangers. And uh, I guess Larry is also somewhere there. Not a, not a tandem, but somewhere in the background. Uh, we're going to do five. Anytime star- Larry wants to come on the podcast and yeah, defend himself. Please, Larry, come on and defend yourself. Come on. Uh, we're gonna, This is the section of the podcast where we do five-star questions. If you want to have a five-star question written or written read on the podcast you can go to itunes today search blue breakaway leave a five-star review and we will read all the five-star questions on the podcast first question is for gregory says it literally says this is for greg new york new york fan in jacksonville florida i have lived in jacksonville florida for almost three years moved here for my job my family is from new york city and i was born and grew up in the philly area oh boy but did not live in but did live in NYC briefly, so I'm well aware of life in the big city up north. Your comment yep. on the 11-4 podcast was silly. I will agree with you. Downtown Jacksonville is a dump, but Jacksonville's surrounding area is beautiful. We live 30 minutes from the beach. It's awesome. I'll take living down here with the beautiful weather, new income tax, and affordable houses over the northeast any day. Enjoy the snow. Okay. First of all, there's no question there. That's just a lot of comments. So... Obviously, the school system in fucking Florida is shit, oh and it should teach you how to be better. <laughs> oh my god! Second, thank you for listening it's to not our even, podcast. It, I appreciate having demographics in Jacksonville, and <laughs> it's it's not even that Jacksonville's a dump. All right, yeah. Jacksonville is fine, like painfully fine. It is still not even a top twenty place I would want to go to in the deep south if I had the option to go to different places. It's maybe. It's maybe not even top 10 in Florida. Like I'd rather, I'd rather go to Miami. I'd rather go to Orlando. I'd rather go to Tampa. I'd rather go to the swamp for a Florida game. I'd rather go to Tallahassee. There's so many other places of Florida. I'd rather go to the Everglades. I'd rather go literally, I'd rather go to the fucking parking lot in sunrise, Florida, where the Panthers play. It's not that Jacksonville sucks. My whole point is, why in God's name do you give a shit about the county in which you live in when you're at a Jacksonville Jaguars football game? Why are you chanting Duval? Nobody cares about Duval County, Florida. Literally nobody. Counterpoint, really fun to go do. That's fun. You know, it's kind of like that's Zeus cool. Then maybe Duval. just like, I don't know. You, Sign a player with Dukakis as their last name or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah, the Dukakis like, the just... football player, Greg. Nice. <laughs> yeah, good it's one. It's just it. I it's 
the people that come at me being like, oh, you just live in New York. Bro and gals, I lived in Savannah, Georgia for five plus years. Savannah's beautiful. I would go to Savannah any day of the week before I go to Jacksonville. And I know people from Jacksonville would rather be in Savannah anyway. It's on the water. The beach is right there. It's uh, open container policy downtown. So I can drink. I can order beers and beverages to go. It's wonderful. Nobody gives a fuck about Jacksonville. You are simply a spot on a map. And I'm sure it's lovely, but that doesn't make you special. That was from NYR in FL, which I'm assuming is New York Rangers in Florida. And I appreciate them listening and writing in so much. Now, uh, <laughs> next question. Yeah, come at me with a question next time. Though. It's not Guy. really not really a question. This next one either. Let's see. Um, I don't I don't read these beforehand, so that's probably a bad idea. I should probably bet these, but I don't. This one is from NYR in MS. Title is Pumpkin Lollipop. Hey, Greg. Hey, Ryan. Yeah, and yeah this this guy's nuts. By the <laughs> hey, way, good for him. Hey, Ryan and Greg, Rangers fan in Mississippi here. You poor poor soul. I heard you shout me out last week. Thanks for bringing me a taste of home when I'm doing these Miss, long Mississippi. By the way, the Jacksonville of the South. <laughs> this thanks for bringing me a taste of home when i'm doing these long drives working around all the gulf coast there are at least two ranger fans down here and my now my, my now girlfriend recently turned into a ranger fan i just got Breadman jersey thanks congratulations um pretty much says he's gonna go but go back to msg and he says thanks us for shouting him out you're so welcome i praise be i can't believe you exist this, it's an unbelievable privilege that you get to live in Mississippi and just support the Rangers. I just I want to I, I just want to know what he does for a living that brought him to Mississippi. It's got to be something in the oil industry, I would imagine. I love that he messaged you too. He like did he Twitter DM you? He's like it's me. He, like, oh no, he just he tweeted. He, it was um it was like Thursday last week, and hilarious. we randomly got a tweet that just said uh, pumpkin lollipop. Pumpkin lollipop. That's the best. And that's when I asked you, and I was like, what 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 did I say that led to pumpkin lollipop again? And you're like, if you live in Mississippi. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. That's amazing. Um, this is from The Ghost is Alive and Well. Uh, I think it's an oxymoron. I recently oh, saw right. Shesterkin play in Hartford, and wow, dude is a beast. With him, with him being the future number one goalie, what do you think the backup situation will be? Will the backup come from the house, a draft, etc.? Or will uh, we'll, we'll be looking at a mediocre free agent signing? Love the show. Thank you for saying that. Uh, I, think, I, I think he's talking about post-Hank retiring. Honestly... I wouldn't be surprised if we called somebody up. Uh, we have a pretty extensive goalie system, and we have Ben Wire-Lair. So I wouldn't be surprised if we if we try and call someone someone up when the time comes. We did yeah, th- we I, did take I a goalie the... in the second round. I mean, it's got to be good for some. Right, right. We people forget that Olaf Lindbaum is still a New York Ranger. Uh, Adam Huska is playing well, by the way, as the number two in Hartford right now as well. Um, Tyler Wall, I think is his name, is the best goalie in the country currently at UMass Amherst. He leads uh, ECAC in just about every category you could imagine. So he's playing well and hasn't been signed to his entry-level contract. And it also, it, it's just Benoit Allaire turns shit in the gold because we forget what Camp Talbot was just about a nobody before the Rangers brought him in. And the random, quote-unquote, random backup that the Rangers signed one year was Antti Ranta. So I don't think you should ever worry about what the Rangers are going to do at backup goalie. They have plenty of options, and that makes it all the more relevant to trade Alex Georgia for Jeremy Bracco, which is going to happen because I said so. Okay. Uh, this is from Rocky Mountain Rangers. Five-star question, who is Kako living with slash rooming this year? I can speak on this a little bit because I stalk the man. I mean, uh, oh I, I started a church. No, but I do know this for a fact. So for uh, 
for example, when Buchnevich came over, the Rangers provided him with a host family. And uh, pretty much what happens is it's 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 just like they're like a foster family, pretty much, where you go live with them. They take care of you. They help teach you the language. They show you the ropes, etc. And I'm pretty sure from what I've been told, Kako's doing exactly the same this year. That's it. It's just someone that uh, is, is familiar with the area and uh, is, you know, providing them with uh, shelter and food all the time. And also, Kako is like a super mega star, so I'm sure he can do whatever he wants if he really wanted. Just it's just someone that you know holds his hand a little. That's all. Um, I wanna hold your hand. This is from Gunslinger twenty ninety four, who is a frequent commenter. I recently got. Hi, Gun. Uh, I recently got NHL TV and I'm watching a lot of Canadian broadcasts and I'm amazed how superior they are to the NBC product. With a television contract on the horizon, is it possible to get a quality hockey people to staff the broadcasts? What network would you like to see get the contract, and who would you like to see get the jobs? I like this question a lot. Can I say something a little Uh-oh. controversial? Uh-oh. I think I would like ESPN to get it. Hmm. They've had it before. They have. And I think... I don't know if I want that much Bouchergrasse in my life. I like Bouchergrasse, but... I, I don't. It. Like okay, that's that's one. It's a bit thing. much. I like the bit uh, much. I don't know if you know that about me. You know, hmm. uh, the most frustrating thing about NBC currently having the NHL is because I feel like NBC is the right home for the NHL. They just they have pieces that don't make sense, and it if you just take away if you take away Pierre, if you take away Milbury, and you take away Jeremy Roenick. There's a lot to like about what NBC does. I know some people hate him, but I enjoy watching Doc Emmerich call hockey. I love Doc. Love Brian Boucher. Brian Boucher has been phenomenal. Uh, Liam McHugh is a great studio host. Catherine Tappan is a great studio host. It's they have the pieces. Um, Eddie Olchek is wonderful, and if you if you also like the horse racing crossover, he's great. Whenever NBC gets uh, their horse racing game on as well. It's it's just it's it's really just Ronick, Maguire, and Milbury. And if you take them away, I think it's hard to imagine hockey being in better hands from a production standpoint. I think the the people who decide what games to put on Wednesday night is a problem. And I think some of the problem there is the fact that uh, NBC can't directly compete with TSN and Rogers, so they're not getting all the good Canadian teams on Wednesday night. It's a rivalry night. These two teams hate each other, the Red Wings and the Rangers. Right. It's a it's an original six matchup that literally no one gives a shit about because they both suck. Uh it's 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 tough the matchups that they get, but I do think they make the best of what they got. It's just those three guys brings the product down so much. As to who I would like to see on the broadcast, I I hand up like I don't know enough about the hockey media market outside of the guys at TSN and the guys at NBC to say so-and-so is getting undersold. Uh, I know I, I probably ruffled a few feathers this week when I said um, Ranger broadcasts might be better is not the right word because Sam Rosen and yeah, Joe Micheletti I, I provide say this and I, 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 I just to be clear, I finish your thought and I'll comment. Yeah. It, it's not that that games would be better because I, I enjoy watching Ranger games with Sam and Joe calling the game. Like they make the game viewing experience fun and lighthearted. At the same time, I am such a depressing person 
that I need guys that are willing to call it down the middle. And I do think it's a fair critique to say that Rosen and Micheletti try to paint everything with a pro Ranger brush. And that's, that's fine. It, and maybe it's because I'm spoiled that I have guys like Gary Cohen, Ron Darling and Keith Hernandez in my life who aren't afraid to say the Mets are shit when they play like shit. Um, I just wish I had a little bit more unbiased in my Ranger viewing experience. And even if I don't even know if it's like, if you want to keep Sam and just have a different color commentator, I think it would help. I think you're right. There are some times where those two guys definitely view the game and view the Rangers with rose colored glasses, but I want to, and I'll give some credit to the Mets broadcast for saying the Mets are playing like garbage when they are, but they also have a lot more time to say the Mets are garbage than Sam does. Sam. That's true. But the the thing with Micheletti that I always find confusing is Micheletti is great on national broadcasts. He, he he just calls the game because he he has no skin in it. So if someone does something wrong or if someone makes a mistake, Micheletti points out the mistake and says why it's a mistake. And then he comes back to the Ranger broadcast and it's a whole lot of Lieber Hayek is trying. And it, it, it's just, I think that's why it's so frustrating because we see Micheletti and we see what he's capable of doing when he's in a completely neutral environment, when he's just being a broadcaster. We see what he's capable of. But then he comes back to the Rangers, and he feels like he has to be a Rangers employee a little bit, and I, I think that's where the distortion comes in. But you are right. It's it's a lot easier for a baseball broadcaster to be down the middle mm-hmm. because a baseball broadcaster has three straight hours that they have to fill. Sometimes where- more. Yeah, where Micheletti really has, on a nightly basis, maybe 25 minutes that he has to do some hard analysis on. So, yeah, you're, you're, it's, it's, it's apples and oranges, 100%. Um, but it, the, the Micheletti complaint for me, it, it, it really comes down to he's a different guy when he doesn't do Ranger games. And I like the guy he is when he's not doing Ranger games. And I wish he was that guy when he was doing Ranger games. Two more questions. This is from uh, – well, three more technically – this is from Jerg6. What's up, boys? Keep up the good work. We will. Two things on my mind. I'm a big Truba guy, and I feel like we should be seeing a little bit more from him offensively. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. Uh, mostly because I think they've moved him down on the power play, obviously. Adam Fox has improved, and he hasn't really gotten the feel for the system the Rangers are running yet. And I I, I think we've yet to see the best of Truba, and that time is going to come. I'm not worried yet. Vince? Yeah, Vince brought up a good point that we get lost in the weeds with a little bit about the Rangers aren't even a quarter of the way through the season yet. Boy, it feels so much longer. And yeah, it it, it feels it feels like the Rangers season to go on for a year and a half. Um, I'm not worried about Truba at all. I a part of it is getting to lo- to know a new system. Part of it is the fact that he's getting to know a bad system that is new. Uh, I I really don't worry about Jacob Truba. He's struggling, but I don't think it's permanent. There was a great trade at the time. Great contract at the time. I would do it all over again. I'm riding this wave with Jake Truba. Reading Rangers Twitter makes Twitter takes about Leah Sanderson's development makes me want to throw my phone in the Long Island Sound. Can we all relax and let the organization do what they think is best? They haven't let us down with the rebuild so far. Rebuilds take time. For example, Colorado Avalanche and the Maple Leafs. Well, the Maple Leafs right now, not a great position. Avalanche, though. Uh, um, first of all, shout out the Long Island Sound. Big, Love a guy who lives on the shore. Big time. Big, big Long Island Sound guy right here on the Connecticut side of that uh, little body of water. Uh, second, uh, I don't th- – yes, we should be more patient with guys like Leas Anderson, but also no, I don't think we should just be 
um, always deferring and confident that management is doing everything right. I think, I think you're totally within reason to criticize where criticism is due. And the Leah Anderson situation has provided a lot of opportunities to be critical of how the Rangers handle it. I, I, there, you need to be patient. And I feel like you and I try to toe the line between patient and critical, but I, I don't think you need to say um, management knows what they're doing blindly without raising a few questions. Agree. Last question for the night. This person's uh, username is a bunch of emo- like characters I cannot read and they were not good for podcasts. Got Says, it. Egg- eggplant, water drops, eggplant, water drops. Correct. Exactly. That's, that's, oh, that's what this is. I was uh, put my glasses on. Rank these New York team owners. Oh, God. Johnson, Wilpon, Dolan, but for Dolan, only the Knicks. Yeah, uh, that's a yikes. Dolan, only the Knicks. Ah, Jesus Christ almighty. He says, he's, he or she says, uh, eggplant emoji, water drops, uh, eggplant emoji, water drops, says, from worst to best, I say Wilpon, Dolan, Johnson, but really could go anyway. What are your thoughts? Well, it's the Dolan aspect of this is so confusing because it's just the fact that he trusts the wrong people with the Knicks on a constant basis. Everything else he does as an owner is what you would want him to do. Spends a shitload of money, makes a shitload of money available, and is not afraid to cut bait when it's not working. And I want to make this clear. Like, we would flame Dolan if we wanted. Sometimes I feel like we might be labeled as Dolan fanboys. That you could make we're, an argument. We're not. He's just the perfect hockey owner, and it's confounding. It, it's it doesn't make any sense. I want to just get that, make that clear. It's very strange. Yeah, I think. <sighs> Jesus, this is really fucking hard. Uh, I can it be a three way tie for worst? I, I think, can't. I think I would go Johnson, Wilpon, Dolan. Because what what's the reason why the Jets are? I don't know though. I don't know how you hire Adam Gase as a coach. Like, I don't. I don't understand Wilpon, any, anything that what's, Johnson's done for what, the Jets. What's, what's the Wil, the Wilpon critique? Is they're is they're fucking cheap, right? Like yeah. at the end of the that's at the it. end of it, that's what it is. They got Bernie they're made fucking, off super hard. But even then, they didn't really lose. Like net worth wise, they didn't lose a shitload of money on that. And Wilpon does say stupid shit. And Jeff Wilpon is just a bad fucking human being, like the worst fucking human being. God, this is hard. I would say, uh, I think I agree that it, the Jets are the least worst because I don't know, dude, the Johnsons suck too. Like the Johnsons are big fucking magas. Woody's the fucking ambassador to the fucking United Kingdom. That's awesome. Like you don't just get that. I think that's great. Well, I don't think he is anymore. I think he sat, sat, step down but can it's we like, talk about how great that is though like that's just such an awesome move he's like oh you own the jets yeah now you you're also the ambassador of united kingdoms nice yeah no big <laughs> deal we're just going through brexit and you're not going to help at all and that's fine but that's god they all suck i you know what gun to my head i'd go johnson wilpon dolan Knicks. like i i think that's what it would be like at some point you have to blame dolan for how terrible the new york knicks are at basketball it is inexcusable for them to be this bad for this long Wilpon, I get that they're all shitty, but outside of them being stupid fucking cheap, they're not really doing anything. Ter- like, they're still making interesting moves. They're just doing it on an imaginary budget that no other team should be playing with in this market. And then, like, the Jets, it's so easy to poke fun at the Jets, but they've done so many things right. Like, the Darnold pick is the correct pick. It's like, I get that Adam Gase as a bad hire, but they've got 
I don't, I don't. It's, they all suck. They're all Ryan. terrible. All three of them suck. <laughs> They're all terrible. How did New York? How did New York get saddled with this many bad owners? I don't know. It's crazy. I, sometimes you think about Steinbrenner, the old, the old. The mares, the mares are also terrible. Like you could have put the mares in there as well, and it would would have been just as hard. It's, it's not a great town for that reason. That's why Dolan, like when it comes to the Rangers, perfect. Honestly, couldn't be better. It's unbelievable. Could it be better? Because he just shuts the fuck up, understands he's not doing anything, and just pays a lot people a lot of money. Shows up for picture day, waves, says hello to Artemi Panarin, says I. And we can't, we can't even say the Islanders are good managers because the Islanders get in bed with the Wilpons. Yeah. Like the Belmont, the, the Wilpons are helping finance the Belmont project, so it's like the Islanders aren't smart either because they're asking the Mets for help. Stein, so I, and Hal Steinbrenner is notoriously not a great owner. Um, I'm just, get, and, despite uh, the, 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 the Yankees the, being quite good. Uh, Abu Dhabi owns NYCFC. Trust me, that's not a business you want to get in their bed with. The, the best owners might honestly be fucking Red Bull New York. Like, those might be the best owners in New York. Go ahead and stay away from the Nets also. All right. This has been super fun. Uh, I want to thank our supporters, as always. Our supporters, uh, this week's episode is sponsored by, I guess, Brian Doyle, Tori from Manhattan, Thomas O'Neill, Eric Stagg, Mike Smith, Ben Weber, and, of course, Benjamin Waters. Can, no longer... can I just tell you, uh, I, I know I know uh, Johnny Thundercock has declined his patronage the last couple of weeks, but I can just tell you how much fun I had writing on an envelope, Johnny Thundercock. Uh, very, I was... very much fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the name he gave us. So he's Stick, Johnny Stickers have, have gone out to our Patreon subscribers. If you want a sticker, you know how to get it. Um, or, or maybe you don't. We still Patreon, have some. Patreon.com slash Blue Breakaway. Um, we still have some. We'll see you guys. We're going to do a BSB OT this week. So if you guys are interested in that, it'll come out probably this Friday. or Yeah, this Friday. And uh, next week is Thanksgiving, so we'll be doing still do, doing two shows. We don't give up. Uh, so uh, next, we'll be back next Monday night uh, recording this show, and then we're going to do an all-decade team for The Athletic that will come out all next week. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.